Lord, we're so grateful that you are worthy. You're worthy of our lives. You're worth it all. And as we exalt you, you said you would draw all men to yourself, which means each one of us drawn in to your love and your mercy and grace, not by our own works, but because of everything that you have done. And so I pray for every need in this room, known and unknown, that you would come and visit hearts and minds. You would be yourself among us, Lord. Have your way to heal, restore, renew, strengthen, and refresh, even as we share our hearts together. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, the, the amazing thing is, uh, and Carl said it in the scripture, every time we sing holy or worthy, it works. Have you ever noticed that? Like multiple songs out there, thousands probably, of, that include singing of the holiness of God or the worthiness of God. And the reason it works is because that's what they're singing in heaven. So every time you say holy or worthy, you're just agreeing with God of what's already going on. Man, we are made for him, and he has given himself for us. We are so grateful. Well, hey, um, for those who are already a little distracted by this cut over my head, want to uh, share an uh, amazing story. There were a couple people who were trying to break into our house, and I, uh, I took them on face-to-face. They hit me with a pipe, but it stunned me, but I remained true to defend the house, took them out, called the police, had them uh, tied up when they got there. I wish that were the story. Uh, however, uh, what actually happened is I walked down the stairs and hit a pole. So there it is. That's, that's more reality of w- what went on. So here we are, healthy and ready to go. Um, hey, today we are wrapping up the summer. And if you guys have been with us, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. We're going to be picking that up again in about a month to finish our series on unity. But out of Ephesians, man, we've just been diving into this whole deal of our inheritance, who we are in Christ, God's pursuit of us, God's grace towards us, God's love for us. And it ends with this incredible, powerful prayer in Ephesians 3, uh, 14 through 21. We went over uh, yesterday, uh, excuse me, last week, but I want to read it again. Just you can enjoy it. You can receive it. The beautiful thing about God's word is that if it's, if it's a prayer in God's word, it's not only true, but it will come to pass. Not always in the way that you would see it coming to pass, but in God's heart and mind, his word is true and it always comes to pass. And if it's a prayer that he prays through, through the, by the Holy Spirit, if it's a prayer in the scripture, you can count on it. Here it says, Ephesians 3, verse, starting verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Everybody say every family. That's you. That's me. Every family, every person made in the image of God, that he would grant you and I, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ, so that Jesus may dwell in your, in your heart and my heart through faith and that you and I being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Everybody say all. 
all the saints, not some, every one of you, God is praying for you. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you right now in agreement with Paul's prayer that you would know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God. Isn't that amazing? And that you would know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. It is beyond us. If you think God's good, he's better than that. No matter how big you think he is, he's bigger than that. He surpasses knowledge. Another way is he blows the circuits of our mind and our understanding and our attempts to grasp his goodness. He's even better than that. And Paul is praying, blow him away, Lord, blow him away. May they know that which surpasses knowledge and they be filled up to the fullness of God. Not just part of God, but all of God's grace. We may know his fullness now to him who is able, uh, I love our friend Joe Ewan says that now to him is a 10-month sermon. <laughs> now to him, now to Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the beauty of the personification of God himself. Now to him who is able and willing to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is an incredible scripture. It's so incredible that we are going to, starting on the 14th, which is verse 14, starting on the 14th, we want to line out the next, the uh, from uh, excuse me, starting August 14th for 21 days. We're going to ask everybody to read that. Read that in your personal life. Read that with your family. Read it in your business. Read it in your life group. Pray this prayer over yourselves and over one another because we are asking, God, we don't need a little bit of you. We need all of you. And because this prayer has been prayed through the centuries, because it's something God's given us, we can trust that it will come to pass. You know, what um, I, I realized this morning that I have uh, been in Waco, Texas for 40 years in, August, in, in this time of the year. And, and the interesting thing about Waco is that really the beginning of our year is August, right? Uh, January is just a blip on the calendar, calendar because what happens around here is 20 plus thousand students come in and uh, begin to be among us. Uh, commerce begins to kick up. New families move in during this time. Schools are going. Everything just starts coming alive. It's a little bit like spring, except for the weather. And so uh, there's this beautiful thing, this uptick of life that starts happening. And one of the things that I found through the years is there's just such a need to connect in this season connect to God, connect to each other, connect to the people of God, to connect to God's mission and purpose for your life. Even more so than January, actually, this is our renewal time. And so starting next week, I'm going to be talking about the Church of Antioch from Acts 11 and Acts 13. All of our students will be back the next week. We're going to be talking about Jesus and his mission. So we got about a four-week run here to connect to God, his mission, his purpose for us as a people and for each of you individually. I want to encourage you, get people connected to what God's doing and join us this next month as we reconnect to God's purpose and mission and pray this prayer over our hearts and over our lives. Well, I want to go back to the beginning of the summer 
Some of you guys were here. I think we have a picture of it. We had 150 plus people here on stage and we were praying for them to be sent out to the nations of the earth. We've counted at least there were a hundred more not pictured here. So let's say anywhere between 250 and 300 people have gone out around the world in the name of Jesus. Uh, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, have an opportunity for different ones to share what God's doing. But I wanted to list out real quickly a few of the places that people have been sent out to this summer from our body. All right, here we go. Nations, Colombia, Philippines, Indonesia, Ecuador, Scotland, Great Britain, Ukraine, Moldova, Oaxaca, Mexico, Mauritius, India, Canada, South Korea, Dominican Republic. I like the the South Korea guys. Dominican Republic, (laughs) Panama, Uganda, Iraq, and the Amazon Basin. Now to America, we sent teams to Washington, D.C., to Seattle, to Buda, Texas. There it is. That's the high water mark of evangelism and mission. Buda, Texas, <laughs> Miami, and of course, been missional right here in Waco. And one of those scriptures that we prayed uh, on that particular day was out of Acts 1.8. These are the last recorded words of Jesus. And I often say, remember the last thing that someone says before they go to heaven or the last words of a, of a dear loved one are probably pretty important. And actually, if it's the last words of Jesus, it's way more important than your earthly uh, loved one. And he said this, he said, now listen, everyone, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. And he didn't just say that for the ones that we sent out. He said that for all of us. Every born again believer, every person that has said yes to Jesus, you have power on your life to be a witness with your life and with your voice for the glory of God. And wherever you go, if it's on vacation, you go in the name of the Lord. Wherever God would send you, you're witnessing by your life and the declaration of the gospel. And this is a beautiful, powerful thing that God has given us. And we're going to, I want to give you a few little stats and we'll see a quick video of a rundown of some of the things that happened. And then we're going to have some different friends come up and share. And here's what I want to want you to kind of get into the mode of wherever you are today, or if you're watching online, as you hear different stories from different aspects of our body, let it ignite faith in your heart. The way that I respond to testimonies, if I hear something that stirs my heart, I said, yes, Lord, let it happen in me. Or I pray for a friend that needs the Lord or somebody needs the same miracle story that I heard. Here's a few stats. And again, we went low on the stats, but at least this is at least what happened this summer. Over 2,000 hours of prayer went into the areas where we served. We had over 3,000 people prayed for. We know of over a thousand plus gospel presentations, full, complete presentations, so that an individual could come uh, to Jesus. We've had well over 60 healings. We've had 300 known salvations. This is just a little bit of what we do know, but who knows that God literally is, uh, could, uh, is doing on top of that because he always does above and beyond. When the gospel is sown, there's power released and there's opportunity for it to multiply.
So we're going to have a fun time hearing stories of what God did around the world. But first, once you see this little video of a wrap up. kiss that bald head. I'm going to do it. All right. Sean and Shannon Jones, best youth pastors in the world, and they are ours. So uh, we love you guys. Share us what oh, God's Oh, my doing. word. Years ago, I actually told people that, yeah, my senior pastor kissed me on the head once, and people were like, really? He just, he's kissed me on the head twice now. Um, oh, it's a holy kiss. It's a holy kiss. It is a holy kiss. At least it's not a charismatic kiss. Uh, just do with that as you will. Hey, I'm Sean, and we'd love to share some things that God's been doing in our youth ministry. You know, we're here, Antioch Youth, and so we're in Waco. We're anchored in Waco. Our roots are in Waco. So we do mission on the daily in Waco, and sometimes the Lord calls us out of town, and we get to do mission with him out of town as well. And so God's taken us all over the place, and we're kind of getting back in the saddle again, getting ready for the school year. But yes, we kicked off everything and we went to Buda, Texas, as well as did mission here in Waco and uh, and continued on uh, doing mission in the Dominican Republic in two towns, uh, Chichigua and uh, what was the other place? Oh, Pancho Mateo. There we go. It took me a while. Pancho Mateo. Woo, just getting there. That kiss just took me out of the deal. And so, so starting off in Buda, Texas, we, we partner with a ministry called uh, Mission Possible of Austin. And they take kids from around the greater Austin area who are pre- coming from pretty rough backgrounds and low-income housing. But they just wouldn't have an opportunity to experience camp and to experience just the love of Jesus. And so we put on a camp for them where our high schoolers are the camp counselors, our middle schoolers are the work crew putting on everything behind the scenes, and there are intercessors to make all things just happen and work together. And so 
what we do to be able to put this on, we do a lot of games, different activities, and all sorts of things, but our goal is to carry the Spirit of God that lives in us and invite the presence of God onto that camp property so that kids will experience the love of God. And one little guy by the name of JT had a counselor, amazing counselor, Johnny, and uh, he's pictured right behind me. He was going through a lot of things. And just in his life, uh, Johnny got to hear some of his story in his life. So many things going on. His, his father in prison, the abuse that's happening to, to him just in his community, in his home, and just a lot of traumatic experiences. And so with that, uh, JT would act out constantly, but Johnny just stayed in the game sharing the love of Jesus and actually being the love of Jesus, wrapping his arms around him. And all of our high schoolers, all of our middle schoolers kept doing this time and time again. Their fights would break out. People would argue. There was a lot of cussing going on and still just loving kids unconditionally. And through that, um, JT would have just these moments where he would lash out uh, at different campers and just be, would be so angry. But the thing that was just so telling of the Lord is that when we would pray, invite his presence, or we would have worship, JT was different. And nightly, we would have this deal we called uh, club. And during club, we would have worship and a teaching. And when worship would start, JT would break down and start crying. He would turn to his counselor and just say, God's touching my heart. Uh, so many kids would just say, we don't know what's going on. Uh, but when the music would start, just something is happening. And we started explaining it's, it's the love of God and it's his presence in your life. We do know this, that about eight kids uh, confirmed gave their lives to Jesus uh, during the time. And we do know that we've been doing this throughout the years, that more and more kids took active, obedient steps in deepening their relationship with Jesus as well. And for JT, for JT, uh, he, he, he spent his time just on this roller coaster of emotions. But on the last night when God was really moving in his heart once again, an invitation went out for people to do life with Jesus. And he got the opportunity to talk to his counselor. And in talking to his counselor, he gave his life to the Lord. Uh, it looked like he never wanted to be there the entire week. And the next day when it was time to leave, he was just filled with tears, didn't want to get on the bus. And it's heartbreaking and seeing just such a little guy having to go through so much and not knowing what's going to happen. But we do know this, that he gave his life to the Lord, that he has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been calling and having discipleship times with his counselor, Johnny. They've been singing songs, doing memory verses, and just really continuing to deepen his walk with the Lord. And Mission Possible of Austin is still following up with them. So we do know this, that when we move uh, and step out with the Lord, God has good things in store for the people around us and for us as well. 
Yeah, our second mission opportunity was actually here uh, on campus. We opened up our doors for a day camp from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. So if you do the math, that's 35 hours that we got to love on and invest in kids both in in the neighborhood. Uh, The youth went out door to door and just invited kids in the neighborhood. And we extended an invitation to our single moms ministry. And those were the majority of the kids who were here were from those um, two avenues. And we limited the number this year to 55 so the groups could be smaller and we could just be more intentional. Uh, The enemy tried to massively take us out because about a quarter of our team ended up going home sick. But it was so great just to see everyone just really lean into the Lord, pray, and um, God showed up in huge ways. Here's just a few things that God did. We started out the week hearing a testimony from a parent who said, when my kid came last year, afterward, they kept saying that they wanted to come back here. And now that parent is in a life group and attends here and the, and the kids are plugged in and go here. Uh, there was a girl who went home all week long. We just took time to pray for one another, listen to God, you know, obviously do all of the things that are normative to us, but we're brand new for some of them. And she went home and her mom had a headache and she said, oh, let me pray for you. She laid hands on her mom, prayed for the headache. The headache went away and the mom texted me like freaking out. So it was great. Um, there was a girl in the fifth grade who just had gotten in trouble a lot. Her story is just really challenging. It was coming out in a lot of different ways. And she had deducted that bad things happen to bad people. So she must be a bad person and destined for bad things to happen to her. We studied the story of Joseph and our theme was chosen, that we're all chosen by God and, and just went through every day, just elements of the story of Joseph. And at the end, her mom texted me just like, thank you so much. And, and thanking the, the girls um, who led the high school girls who led this girl, she said that she realized that that she is not a bad person that is destined for bad things to happen, but that there's a good God who has good plans for her. And uh, we had a girl who heard God speak for the first time again. We were texting parents and just saying, how can we be praying for you? And in addition to them sharing their ways we could be praying for them, they're just sharing these stories. Two more, uh, we had uh, campers who went home just singing verses, sharing different things. And a grandma came up to me in tears and said, I used to go to Antioch years ago. So did our son, who is the father of these kids. They're coming home and they're reminding us of the things that we once knew that we've walked away from and just got to pray and minister to her. And at the end of the week, we did um, just affirmation and encouragement uh, for the different kids. And so many of them, it's like foreign to them to hear all the, the awesome things about the way that God made them and who they are. And some of them, that was really emotional. But then seeing kids turn to one another and do that for one another. And one boy who had just wreaked havoc all week for his group just went one by one apologizing for the things that he had done. So building family, 35 hours of just getting to be with students and just experience Jesus was incredible. Yeah. God is good. And then our last mission trip was to the Dominican Republic. Uh, Pancho Mateo and Chichigua were the two towns that we got to do a life with people. With. We, we had students enter into homes and, and 
the living conditions where we say were just really uh, humble, they were, they were very humble. And it was eye-opening and watching people live where there's no running water, not having indoor plumbing at all, actually. Um, just, but just wanting to have relationship and caring for their family, we then got the opportunity to partner with Macarios, a ministry uh, in the northern part of the Dominican Republic that just really wants to see whole families restored and whole families come to Christ. And, and so we got the opportunity to take youth who are saying yes to the Lord to, to meet practical needs as well as uh, enter into homes and share the gospel and put on a vacation Bible school um, out of a small church as well for kids in a community. Yeah, and I just, one takeaway with that of just talking to the staff, they were just amazed, and I'm just so encouraged that our youth get to be part of this church family, because as they went into these homes where they did not know the people that they were interacting with at all, they just did not hesitate through a translator to share vulnerably just their own places of brokenness, like where God had met them, ways that he'd showed up in their lives, share prophetic words, pray for healing, and they were like, we don't see adults come in and even feel half this comfortable, um, just being able to see youth rely on God knowing that he was going to show up in powerful ways, and he did. And so just really encouraged. I think that the relationships that were um, built, many of them uh, already, they're seeing fruit just from stories that we're hearing back. Hey, we're going we're gonna to pray for the youth uh, that obviously that were all there, but we're going to pray for the youth of our city. And what I want to do before we do that, I want you to turn to somebody else and pray for a youth or an elementary student or somebody you know that needs a touch from God. Uh, Because again, we are all about family. So just turn if you're uncomfortable praying out loud. Just listen to the person next to you pray. But turn to somebody right now. We're going to pray for the next generation. And then Sean's going to lead us out together here in just a moment. Just take 60 seconds. Pray for a, a student, your own son or daughter. If they're sitting there with you, put an arm around them, pray for them. Move of God among our youth and children. And so, Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks, Lord God, for all that you've done, Lord God, all that you're doing, and all that you're continuing to do. I do ask, Lord God, that you would bless the youth in the city. Lord God, those that know you, that they would go out and be uh, salt and light, Lord God, in a hurting and broken area of this world. And Lord God, that the youth that don't know you would come to know you, Lord God, as they experience catalytic uh, conversations and, and and be encouraged, Lord God, and as they see a great light, Lord, that they would come into your presence, Lord, and into relationship with you. Please, Lord, let it be in this season that heaven's even more populated, Lord God, by your people going and seeing where you're at work and joining in. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we've done Jerusalem, Judea, here in America. We are partnering with our D.C. church plant to plant a church in Miami. And come on, tell us what you got. Here we go. So uh, my name is Jeremy King. I'm our young adult pastor. And we took a team down to Miami. 
And it's really fun, kind of the way the long-term team is set up is they said, let's just be in a spot, which is called a Wimwood, which is like the party district of Miami, and just be a house of prayer. Let's just watch the Holy Spirit draw people, love on folks. And I love the team that we got to take. We had about nine or ten of us young adults. and I mean, it was the dream team. And I think something that really stuck out to us was our game plan was let's just hit the streets and see where the Holy Spirit leads. So we would say, okay, Lord, just lead us where we need to go. We'd close our eyes and say, give us like a name of a person, a place to look for, what color clothes they're wearing, a direction to go. We're going to go into it blindly just lead us. It was pretty wild and a little bit unfair how much the Lord led us. And I would say... <laughs> It was stuff like we'd be in a group of three and someone would hear, this actually happened, I uh, see like a smiley face on a wall. The other person's like, I see a rainbow. We start walking. We don't see it that day. And the next day we see a smiley face and a rainbow. And right under it is a guy who says, yeah, I was just watching YouTube videos about Jesus and I really want to know more about him. I'm like, oh, well, what do you know? Yes. Looks like the Lord's been yes. watching you. And so just stuff like that would just happen. Like saw a picture of a train and someone saw like the train track arms. And then there's a lady in the shop right there that gave her life to the Lord too. And I was just like, okay. Uh, but one in particular really stuck out to us is we went to a Publix, which is a foreign, for, a foreign form of HEB. And so uh, we went to Publix, we went out, and the guitarist over here, his name is Franzi, and he and I were together. And this family of three walks by us, and they speak Spanish, and I don't really, uh, but he does. And so I start chatting with him. But immediately it was like, something is is wrong. And uh, it's a husband, wife, and a four-year-old girl. And I was like, there's something wrong. We need to pray for this girl. And uh, they ended up through conversation saying she actually hasn't spoken. She's been mute ever since this really traumatic event happened, which I won't go into. But, I mean, I have a three-year-old. So when I see this four-year-old, I'm like, you should be talking. <laughs> there should be life and energy. And she's just blankly staring forward. And the mom is just super closed off, won't make eye contact with us. And just something's off. And so we kind of generally pray for him. Uh, but we realize, okay, I think there's a spirit here. And in Mark 9, it talks about a spirit that made someone deaf and mute. And Jesus loves setting people free. And in the, the biblical story, he cast the demon out and the person could hear and speak. So I said, well, let's just go for it. So we went to the little girl first and we just said, hey, just lock eyes with me. We're going to tell everything bad to go and everything good from Jesus to come. So we prayed for her, and we also prayed for the mom, and the mom had pain all around her stomach. And we prayed for her, all of her pain went away, and she got completely delivered. And then we had prayed for that girl, and then about, you know, we left, and about 40 minutes later, another one of our team members just happened to run into them in the middle of Miami. So we talk about the Lord leading you, and she's speaking. So the Lord completely delivered her as well. And so the mom's healed, she's speaking. And we're just like, okay, Jesus sees people and he knows them. So I want to just, one, let's pray for Miami, for God to continue that work in Miami, that nobody's too far gone. And I'm also going to pray just for deliverance in the room. If anybody's saying, man, I've just got something traumatic. I don't know how to deal with this or anything else like that. We're going to believe God for a miracle. So, Jesus, we just bring Miami to your throne. We just say, come touch Miami. It's not hard for you to change hearts. We ask for godly leadership in Miami. We ask for the church in Wynwood to flourish. We ask for disciples to be made and people to be saved today in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask if there's any demonic spirit in the room, anything that try to hold your people back, we just say freedom in Jesus' Jesus' name. We just say everything go. Any bad dreams? Is anybody struggling with nightmares or anything else like that? We just tell it to go right now in the name of Jesus, that there's power in your name, and we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I love Amen. the matter, matter of factness. Yeah, it's just easy. 
Do I get a kiss on the head? No. Okay, great. No. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, my name is Austin Murray. I'm the college pastor here. Any college students in the house? All right. Going to be a lot more in a couple weeks. This is Courtney Rodriguez. She's amazing. Went to South Korea this summer. And uh, yeah, Courtney, you got way more applause than me. Okay. All right. And she's going to share about what God did in South Korea. Hi, everyone. I'm Courtney. And um, me and 14 of my friends went to South Korea this summer with the Engage the Nations program for 10 weeks. And we just got back a few days ago. um, And God moved so amazingly. And I wish I could tell so many of the stories, but I'll share just a few. Um, While we were there, we got to pray a lot for unity. That was a big theme, which was even just a really cool testimony to coming out of the abundance and overflow of the just corporate word that we've gotten for unity this whole year. And so that was really cool to intercede for unity on the Korean Peninsula. Even just a week and a half ago was the 70th anniversary of the separation of North and South Korea. So it was a very significant time to be interceding for unity on the peninsula and just saw a lot of fruit from that on our team and in our outreach times. And we also got to get a lot of God's heart for the young generation of South Korea. South Korea has the highest um, rate of suicide among young people. And also um, statistically, um, the young generation is about 2% considered religious. And so very unreached in that population and just very high rates of suicide and depression. Um, So a lot of need um, for um, the touch of Jesus in the young generation. So we got to really press into that in prayer and in outreach Um, which was amazing to be part of. And yeah, one thing that God did was we started a life group in the city of Seoul. And about three weeks in, my co-leader just said to me, what if we started a life group? Like that's something we love to do here in Waco um, with our community. And so we would love to start that just once a week, meet with people that we've met on outreach and invite them into what community in Jesus looks like. So we got to do that. It was so fruitful and amazing. We had both local Koreans and foreigners come to our life group because there was a lot of foreigners in our area. And one story from that is, is um, two of our teammates met a girl from France who, long story short, this girl met Jesus a month before coming to Korea or a month before we met her in Korea. And she didn't really know the full story of Jesus. She just knew that Jesus made her feel good and peaceful. And she didn't even know the full story of the Bible. She only had an Old Testament Bible, didn't know the full story. So she came to Korea, really just seeking God. She was sent there like by her mom because her mom was like, you should go take time away, seek God. And so this girl came to Korea for a month and was just praying, asking God to give her... um, to lead her to Christians who could help her know more about Jesus and disciple her. And that is exactly what happened. God led her to our teammates and they got to walk with her for about a month, um, disciple her, um, just walk through the word with her. And she got to come to life group many of the weeks that we did it. And we sent her back to France. Um, She is so on fire for Jesus, ready to live on mission. And we connected her with the long-term team there. So that's a huge testimony how how God is working in the nations. Um, And we got to see a little bit of that in Seoul. And with our life group, um, we got to envision some of the local Koreans there to continue it. And we got to envision them why we do this, why community is important, why we meet and love to read the Bible together and love to follow Jesus together. And so they've been envisioned in that. They are super excited to continue meeting and make disciples in South Korea. And so, yeah, with these testimonies, I would love to pray um, for the Korean Peninsula and for the nations. So would you join me? Yes, God. 
Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your faithfulness this summer, that we've seen your hand and received your heart in so many ways. Um, And yeah, Lord, we just pray again and intercede for unity on the Korean Peninsula, Lord. We thank you that no borders or barriers can keep your spirit from moving, Lord. So we just ask for a work of unity and restoration over the Korean Peninsula in greater measure, Lord. Would you revive people's hearts in that land, Lord, reveal your face and your heart to your children there. Um, And Lord, we just thank you that your heart is for every nation and every people and every heart heart. Lord, would you just stir our hearts again um, for the nations of the world, Lord. We thank you that you love to give us more of your heart for others, Lord. So would you help us to um, just receive more of your eyes to see um, what you want to do on this earth and in more hearts, Lord. Um, And so, yeah, Lord, we thank you again for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's, uh, It's Rodriguez family day here. Um, Now now I'm following our daughter, which is totally unfair. Um, So I'm Michael Rodriguez. This is my wife, Helen, and these are the saps. So the Rodriguez's and the saps were the raps. Um, We we had the blessing of traveling this this summer to Antakya, Turkey. And um, you may remember back in February, there were very significant earthquakes. And I always like to say earthquakes, plural, because it was plural. Um, The very largest one hit 4 a.m. It was dark. Uh, raining very, very cold, and people were awakened in the middle of the night to watch the entire city of Antakya literally collapse under these earthquakes. Um, so we were there serving with Acts of Mercy, obviously a, a ministry here who are generally first responders, and we had the privilege of going and effectively just serving in a soup kitchen. So very much meeting just the basic needs of people whose quite, you know, all of their lives were destroyed in many respects. So we served thousands of meals every day. We had the opportunity Did you say to thousands of meals, thousands of meals. Right? Um, yeah. So just think of the scope of that. It was incredible just to see how many people would come and have needs, and from where they would come. In many cases, traveling very, very significant distances from other places in Turkey. We also served water daily, um, and that was a very significant need that they had. And uh, Tim and I had the occasion. Uh, several times to go and build shelters or construct tents. So very much the basic needs. When we look at what we kind of came across, uh, what the takeaways were for us as a, as a team, one of the very first things was unity. And we watched the unity of the church. And as Jimmy mentioned earlier, so Antakya is Antioch, obviously the namesake of our church. And in Antakya, um, in Acts 11, it says that that's where the believers were first called Christians or little Christs. So we got to be participants in with amongst a bunch of other little Christs to form the big C church in the way that it tends to operate when it's operating at its best. And we had the opportunity to work alongside people from all over the world. We had people from other local churches in Turkey, in Germany, Austria, and faraway places like North Carolina and D.C. <laughs> so it was amazing. I know those aren't other countries, but, well, they could be. Um, But it was just a magnificent way for us to remember that when we work together, we're so much more effective as the church. Yes. Um, The other thing that really pulled on us was that there was such heart connection. So we served amongst and around a bunch of other local folks that were from the city and in the city. And I still think about it. I think we all kind of have remembrances of the people, our friends that are there, and um, Rafiq and Mine and um, and Behich and Orhan. And one of our favorites is this guy, Hamdi John, who still keeps in touch with us. 
But those were incredible and indelible relationships that we built. And it reminded us that even if we don't have the opportunity to go out and preach the gospel verbally, we have the opportunity to go out and preach the gospel by our service and by the, uh, the, the decision to go in accordance with Acts 1-8 like Jimmy was talking about. And so we still have those relationships. We actually, Helen and I last night, got a report that a couple of the people that we got to work alongside and sew into are now saying that they either have already accepted Jesus or want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we're like, Lord, that is the greatest thing that you can do through the least of us. And it reminded us that we're sort of just like jumper cables. And you're like, what? Jumper? Yes, we are jumper cables. Because jumper cables are otherwise a very unuseful thing, but when they are connected to an ultimate power source, they give life to something that's otherwise dead. Yes. And so we're not saying that our friends in Turkey are dead other than maybe potentially spiritually. And all we need to do is be willing to be plugged into the ultimate source, Jesus, and be a conduit for what he wants to do in their lives for eternity. We also serve the basic needs. So like I said, we serve thousands of meals every day, um, thousands of, uh, of rations of water. So every day at 10 a.m., you would have a line that would form, and it would go as far as about a half a mile length. And we would wait for people to walk through this line and give them water. And that was the only water they had. So two things about that. One, every time you turn on your faucet or every time you open your bottle of water, praise Jesus. Because that's what these folks don't have. And now they're awakened to the fact that that, even that little bit of provision that's very necessary for our lives, they can thank him for. And that's what we pray that they will realize that. But it also reminded us, as Jesus um, had the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, he told her, but those who drink the water that I will give, that Jesus will give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And so, yes, we want to meet the physical needs of water for our friends in Turkey, but more importantly, we want them to have the eternal water that Jesus alone can provide. And then finally, the level of destruction, I I don't think any of us could put words to it. I love words even as an accounting professor, but I can't put words to the level of destruction we saw all through the city. There was zero buildings that didn't have full destruction. And even in the midst of that, it reminded us in Psalms 127, 1, and it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor to build it do so in vain. And so our heart is, yes, over the next 10 years, probably it'll take for Antakya to be rebuilt. Our heart is for that to happen, but our heart is more importantly for Jesus to be the one that constructs it for them, because then and only then will it be lasting. And there was another saying that I remembered while we were there, and it goes, as the carpenter builds the house, the house builds the carpenter. Mm. And so only in God's economy can those of us, by saying yes, in accordance with Acts 1-8, go and not just be used by God, but be used of God in us and to us, not just through us. And so that was really powerful for us as well. So like we said, we serve with acts of mercy, and we got the opportunity to serve with them, but we also got the opportunity for God's acts of mercy to be served through us. And that was what was the powerful thing. So now my bride will close us in prayer. Yeah, just, um, I just have one more actually, yeah, testimony. Sure. I didn't share it at the 9 a.m., but you guys with Nazar. But here's one thing, a little plug for acts of mercy. So we were team number 13. So that means there were 12 other teams that preceded us since this earthquake. And I think they started um, in the beginning of March. You guys, that's, that's a miracle. I mean, ten, 12 teams before us. And then we know of team number 14 that went after us. And so the reason I bring them up is there's a, a, a gal by the name of Nazar. I don't know if she's in that picture. But I know that the 12 teams before us um, had shared 
some level of the gospel with her. So by the time we were there, I know Lori did, and I didn't know that Lori did at the time. So when I had a moment to share, open the Bible actually, because she actually asked a couple questions like, why did you guys come from America? And so when I shared why, um, and I had the Bible with me, and I just opened God's word, and she said, and I said, do you have the Bible or a Bible? And she said, no. And literally right as I said this, um, a guy named Ennis, who's a local, who actually is a born-again Christian within like a few months, um, he walks by and brings a Turkish Old Testament, New Testament Bible and just drops it right there on the table and says, here you go. Here's your Bible. And she was stunned. And then you guys, as soon as she was crying... Another, right as we we just did that, um, another guy on our team from Austria, he walks by, he had no idea what was happening. He had a flower and he walks by and he gives it to her. He says, I just feel like God's saying that you want, that I, I need to give you this flower. And she just, I mean, I'm stunned. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And she's just crying. And so that's just what God says in his word, that he sees every one of us. Yes. And he wants to reach every one of us. So anyway, that was really encouraging. But another thing, speaking of plants and all that, but there was just um, two uh, passage or two books in the Bible that comes to mind is in Isaiah 61, but also in connection to what he calls us as a body in John 15. And so this passage specifically in Isaiah 61, 11, um, if you just pray with me, um, you got, we're the body of Antioch Waco and we're going to carry the... Uh, carry Jesus's heart in praying for the body of Antakya, Turkey. So Isaiah 61, 11 says, your righteousness, Lord, will be like a garden in early spring, signifying rebirth with plants springing up everywhere. These plants being like Nazar and Refik and Mine, people that we met. Um, Father, we ask for the people of Antakya. We ask for um, the Mine and Refik, I think, uh, right there. That's Mine and her sister and for Nazar and for every person who served, who we served in the soup kitchen and in the water depot. We ask for more labors for team number 15 and 16 and 17 and so on uh, to go with acts of mercy, Lord, who will carry your light and love and literally acts of mercy. Um, Holy Spirit, will you turn their hearts to you, Jesus. And we ask you to complete what you started through the first church in Antioch, Syria, to complete what you started with this church that you are planting um, in Antioch um, that we partnered with called Eseek Church, which means light. We ask for your spirit of revelation and wisdom and strength and provision, Lord, for this church to, um, as they look for land to plant a church in Antakya. May they each become like great oaks of righteousness, Lord, planted by you to be a living living testimony of you propagating throughout Turkey and the Middle East. Father, we agree with your heart for a rebirth of Antakya. We ask for every branch, each generation, to remain connected to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to produce the even more and the much more that, that you tell us in John 15. Lord, we see that you're on the move through your sons and daughters who come together in the unity of the Spirit. Together we say yes for your call to rebuild the ancient ruins, to be restorers of homes. We say, yes, let all the ends of the earth see you, Jesus, and let your will be done in Antakya as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Hey, I want to end with uh, one last story. If we put the map up there with uh, this picture, 
for many of you guys uh, who have been with us for years, you know that a lot of this started uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And our first church plant was in a place called Ulanude, Siberia. And um, we started and uh, planted that church in 91, 92. Then we went to Irkutsk, Siberia. And then the third one was down into Mongolia. And then we went over to Uzbekistan and then Afghanistan and so on and so forth. Now 120 places around the world. But the, the, um, the reason I want to put this map up here, no, the one with the crosses, if you can put that up there, please, yeah, is when, um, we, uh, the, when we did our initial outreaches and these young Russians came to the Lord, we would uh, gather them in a life group, house churches, teach them how to read the Bible and how to hear God. And so uh, one of the particular days we were early on, there was a gal named Vika, and she uh, said, we said, listen, you hear God through his words. Sometimes you get a picture, an impression, and we, we can kind of test if it's from God by sharing it with each other and saying, does it align with scripture? Is this something that is in the heart of God revealed by the nature of God? So she's, she had this picture right here. And she said, I have this picture of crosses going over the globe from Ulanaday, Siberia, and going to the right and left. She said, do you think it's God? And we said, absolutely, it's God. This was our calling to come here and preach the gospel. And then and out of here, we began to multiply uh, around the world. So that was in 1992. Fast forward to this June. I was in Mongolia, Susan Peters, several of us were there. And we were celebrating 30 years of our work in Mongolia, 10 years of Unbound, our anti-trafficking initiative, in Mongolia, and our Russian friends were able to leave the country to go to Mongolia because of their relationship. So we had eight, uh, seven pastors, seven churches represented from our Russian work come down as well, and we had not been able to see them in four years because of a lot of the geopolitical stuff. So the the um, so I had one of the ladies share a testimony. She and her husband lead our work in Ulanaday, and she was one of our first believers. And she begins to share the story of her own salvation. She said when uh, Jimmy and Terry Hobbs and friends, uh, when we came to their school, we preached the gospel and uh, half of the students would come to the Lord. So if we'd have 100 in an assembly, 50 would come to the Lord. Everywhere we went, half would respond after 70 years of no exposure to the gospel. And then we would do Bible studies after school because, you know, you never know somebody responds of their heart, but you need to follow up and, and say, all right, what really happened here. So anyway, Oksana is sharing and she says, um, when I was 15 years old, you guys came to my school and what people didn't know is I had a little diary and I would give my thoughts in my diary and I had written out a plan to take my own life. And then you guys literally saved my life. And she starts crying. And this is a 45-year-old woman now. And she said, and God has been stirring again amongst 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, teenagers again in our city. And she said, here's how it started. In September, the um, Russian army was coming through different provinces, um, conscripting young men, 18 to 25 years old, for the army. And they were concerned about their kids and friends and family members of the church. And so moms started to get together for an hour a day, and it ended up being longer than an hour, and to pray that their sons and daughters would be 
be protected, especially that their sons would not be conscripted and taken off to war. In their church, in their fellowship and relationships, no one was taken. It was a miracle. And she said, we were so stirred by that miracle that we thought, well, let's start, let's keep praying. Let's meet every day and keep praying. And they began to pray for their sons and daughters and other sons and daughters by name, specifically, God, would you move in salvation? Would you move by your spirit? Would you do something again? And she was telling us in June, she said, in the last two months, over 80 uh, young people have come to the Lord by name, individually, that we know of. And so and that is great. Yes. So we're, we're rejoicing because we know it's a very real, uh, uh, real and deep thing. And uh, uh, as we're sitting there rejoicing, and uh, I realize that in the room uh, are representatives from all that initial work of teenagers. Oksana had come to the Lord at 15. There was another man named Alexei. He was 15 that had come to the Lord. He had been, he got discipled. He went to university in Irkutsk and we planted a church in Irkutsk and he was the senior pastor of that church. And now they planted six other churches. He was there with his wife. And then we were sitting in Mongolia with uh, so many Mongolian believers. We had two services because there were so many people that were wanting to be a part of what God was doing. And then also in the room was our fourth church plant, uh, one of the early believers, a lady named Ira, who ended up marrying uh, one of our American team members. And she was there on a pastoral visit some 30 years later. And then there was another of our missionaries from Afghanistan that was there. And I realized that standing in the room, we literally had our first five church plants represented generation after generation. And we were talking and praying about and rejoicing over another generation of young people coming to the Lord. It was really, really an amazing moment. And in the second service, it was predominantly young people, teenagers in early 20s. Out of that room, the next week, 11 people were baptized. Uh, just a new Mongolian move of the Holy Spirit as well among those believers. Well, while we're just rejoicing in that moment, Oksana looks back up at the, at the picture and says, oh yeah, by the way, Vika was the young lady who had had this picture as a, as a young believer. She had been one of our main leaders for four years and then had walked away from the Lord for the last 25 years. And she says, we've been praying, we've been praying for prodigals to come home and Vika came back to the Lord a month ago and she's in our fellowship again, ready to do the will of the Lord for another generation. Isn't that amazing? But I know for so many of us, the question is, what about me today? That's great out there. <laughs> but what about my needs today? We've talked about salvation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, today's your day. We talked about deliverance. I love that simple prayer, Lord, remove everything that's bad and bring in everything that's good. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? In the name of Jesus. Um, we have talked about suicide rates and challenges and people that are struggling. I know that there's people watching online, people in this room have had dark places that God wants to meet you in that dark place and touch your heart. And of course, we have the generations among so many other things. But what I know about God is when we gather in his name, he wants to move in response to faith and in response to the need of our own hearts. So I want all of us to stand together. I want our prayer teams to come to the front. 
If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, that's why we gather and that's why we make ourselves available. If we could please have our leaders come quickly, be available. If you're here and you need prayer, physical something in your body, we had a a young person pray for their mom and the headache went away. Wow, it's amazing. We always want to pray for the sick. If you're sick in your body, give us an opportunity to pray for you and love you. If you're struggling with some of those dark, depressive thoughts, the fearful and anxious thoughts, even if you'd be humble and willing to just share, hey, I'm having suicidal thoughts, could we pray that the bad would leave and that the good would come? And specifically, I want to pray, and for those watching online or in the room who don't know Jesus, and the reason that we share the gospel and and uh, uh, invite people to Jesus every service is because uh, a few years ago, a man about 50 came to me at the end of his service and he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong today? And I said, well, I don't know. Did I do something wrong? And he said, you didn't invite people to come to Jesus. And I said, well, I talked a lot about Jesus during the sermon. (laughs) And uh, he said, no, you don't understand. When I was 35 years old, I was desperate. I walked in the back of this church and you invited me. I didn't know how to get to Jesus. He said, my life was changed forever and ever. Please never gather and don't give people the opportunity to come. So here we go. We've got the opportunity to come. If you need prayer, you can just start coming on down and we've got people up on that landing area as well. And specifically though, I want to pray and invite you to come to Jesus right now. If you aren't sure about your own faith or you haven't given your heart to him, I'm going to say a simple prayer and you can pray it along with me. If you're coming for prayer or if you're a believer and you're there in your own seat, would you pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus right now to know him? Or would you pray for a prodigal to come home while I pray with those that are listening? If you need Jesus, pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, if you need him, if you don't know him, just call on his name, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. That's just us being honest with God. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. Jesus died on a cross because you couldn't get rid of your own sin. He became a sacrifice on your behalf and my behalf. He died on the cross, and so we acknowledge that. Lord, thank you that you not only died, but you rose again. And I just want to say today, I need you, I believe in you, and I give my heart to you. Just pray it with me. I give my heart to you, I give my life to you, I give my sin to you, and I throw my arms up and I come to you. Thank you for your love, thank you for your power, and thank you for your grace. So Lord, I pray for every man, woman, and child who's calling on your name right now. Proclaim them free from the power of sin and death by confession of their mouth and trusting in you that grace is greater than every mountain in their life right now. Thank you, Lord. As we sing, may God seal his work in your heart. Please give us the privilege of praying for you. If you have any need, maybe you have a friend who has a need, grab him by the hand. Come on down. Let us pray as we sing together.